Podcasts from the Cat. Voices and sounds from Crew and Nantwich. Today we're talking to the chief executive of a crew-based company that was originally founded back in 1923 and incorporated in 1924 to support the chemical industry and its supply chains. The company, now in its 99th year, not only supports its members, but is also an influential member of various key groups in the UK, such as the Trade Advisory Group for the Department of International Trade and the DEFRA Oversight Group, and also international bodies such as the G7 and the OPCW, which is the Organisation for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons. On today's show, we're really pleased to welcome the CEO of the Chemical Business Association, Tim Doggett. Tim, welcome to Business Brunch. Hi, Des. Thank you very much for having me here. It's great to be here. Thank you. Uh, You're very welcome. Prior to joining the CBA, you worked in logistics for 30 years and now hold a number of qualifications and are also a Chartered Fellow of the Chartered Institute of Logistics and Transport and a Fellow of the Society of Leadership Fellows at St George's House at Windsor Castle. So, Tim, tell us about the man behind these qualifications. Uh, what gets you up in the morning and what made you choose logistics as a career path? Okay, so I was born in Macclesfield, Des, and uh, grew up there. Um, and in, the, in those times, really, people tended to go into uh, working for um, local companies like ICI, um, or into the textile industry, or to farming, or even transport logistics. Um, I wasn't quite sure what to do, um, but for one reason or another, found myself working at a small uh, local transport company over near Bosley, which is where I now live. Um, and it came about where my grandma ran the local shop, uh, the depot manager came in, said they needed somebody to come in to do some part-time work. It included brushing the warehouse floor, loading some vehicles, odd jobs, um, and, I, and I, that's where I started. And um, I enjoyed it. It was it gave me a sense of purpose. Uh, I still didn't have realise there was a career in logistics. It was more just to earn money. Uh, but I did fairly well, and within a very short space of time, uh, I was asked if I could go and work in the office. Um, around about that time, I was probably 18, 19 years old, just done my A-levels. Enjoyed it in the office. Um, was very hands-on. My my first role was to plan all of the collections that were picked up uh, from around the northwest of England and route them onto vehicles that went across the UK for delivery uh, next day or, or within the next two or three days. And in those days, it was all very manual. Uh, there wasn't the computer systems. We just got the fax machine. For those who remember fax machine, we just got mobile phones. Uh, and it was all very hands-on and um, you had to roll your sleeves up and get on with it. So I learned a huge amount um, of the basics, but also a lot about man management. And by the age of 20, I was running a small fleet of vehicles within the main fleet. I had a number of guys reporting to me um, and it gave me a great sense of purpose to uh, to do that and a lot of ambition. And really, I sort of I describe it as I fell into logistics or it found me rather than uh, setting out to take that as a path. So over the years, it's progressed. Um, I've held mainly senior positions from the age of mid-twenties, open businesses, as we'll touch on, um, in different parts of the world, not just in the UK. But I suppose what gets me up in the morning is a sense of purpose and looking to achieve things and to make a difference. Now, there's no doubt you started from the bottom, sweeping the floors. 
uh, and you've worked your way up. So you you found your way. You found a way forward. Tell me what what's your opinion on whether all employees should get a feel for a business from the bottom up, or just uh, is it enough that they've got a qualification that says they're intelligent enough to do it? It's it's absolutely. People are fundamental to business. Um, however much we've become um, computerized or or pre- or, or uh, machine or, or other methods of working, people are still our most important asset. And and I still have no issue if I needed to brush the warehouse floor, I would quite happily go and do that. And every single person within an organisation has a has an importance, um, and that ultimately make, goes towards making the team. And uh, as a team, then you are much more able to achieve things rather than as an individual. So, you, like you say, you've held uh, senior roles for most of your career. Uh, you've launched several businesses in the past, including your own logistics company in Germany, uh, also a wine business. Uh, so share with us how this wealth of experience has shaped your career and the more important transferable skills that you brought to the CBA. When I was early 20s, I worked for a company called R.H. Stevens in Macclesfield um, and they had an office in in Basel in Switzerland and I created the opportunity to go and work there to to do some work experience and to experience uh, a different country and it was a great opportunity Um, in those days we were still not in the full EU Um, everything was customs controlled uh, including the rest of Europe not just Switzerland but that gave me a great insight into working overseas and the opportunities that logistics gave and while I was out there uh, I, I was out there twice in total uh, the first time I met my future wife, and uh, we eventually uh, got together back in the UK, uh, married, and at that point um, I had two children. It was, the, I think, 2001, and some of the contacts I'd built up in the past uh, were looking to set up a logistics company uh, near Stuttgart in Germany. So took the plunge. Um, there was myself, uh, a German guy and a Russian guy, and we created um, a logistics company from, from nothing. And we grew it very, very quickly. Um, I moved out there, lived by myself for six months. The wife and children followed some time after. Um, and really it was about working round the clock, uh, bringing on business, um, recruitment, finding offices, finding a warehouse. Uh, we built it from the, the ground up. And within a very short space of time, actually, we, we had a, a significant fleet. Our main business was UK, Germany. Um, yeah, and it was it was it was fantastic. So, within that operation already, and the, the sales and the the marketing and the operational part, I could bring my skills already. So that was organisation. It was hands-on experience of forklift trucks and 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 everything, all the basics uh, and the necessities, all the way through to the sales and development. Uh, and we really were su- successful. Those transferable skills remain to this day. Um, I've practiced them now for thirty plus years. Um, and in my current role, that's where um, some of these skills I now share um, with, the, with the members of the Chemical Business Association. Tim, the, the Chemical Business Association offers training and a raft of other support to its members, some of whom were founding members, which is a hell of an achievement. So detail some of the membership benefits and how the support has developed since you joined the CBA. Yeah, so the Chemical Business Association really does have a fantastic heritage and history in delivering for its members. 
uh, one of at least one of the um, founding members, in fact, the chairman that founded the CBA. It was originally called the British Chemical and Dyestuffs Traders Association. It came together from two other associations uh, that were formed after the First World War, and their and their, um, their their reason for being was to look after the chemical supply chain. Um, it was a very challenging time after the First World War. There was just a, there was a global pandemic in, in 1920, Spanish flu. Many, many reasons today, there's many parallels today in the world that we live in uh, of why the CBA was uh, originally founded in 1923. Today, we offer much more than we did in those days. Membership has grown significantly. We now have record uh, levels of membership. Uh, we welcome companies uh, across the chemical supply chain. We were originally founded to look after chemical traders, uh, but we now look after distributors, importers, exporters, logistics companies, warehouse companies, anybody who's involved in the chemical supply chain. And naturally, because of that, we offer many different things to all of those different companies. Some of it is training, some of it is representation, some of it is advocacy. We're a huge advocate for the chemical supply chain. Over 95% of uh, manufacturing has a chemical input, so it's incredibly important. Uh, we represent our members with government, with um, with overseas organisations. Uh, we really go out there and fly the flag for the UK in terms of trade and cooperation. Um, and then we, then we offer basic things like a member help desk, where any member can call uh, either telephone, email, contact the guys at, at the help desk, and they'll get um, they'll get a reply on whatever sort of question they have, whether it's chemical related, HR related. Uh, we offer that level of support to members. Uh, there are other things that we, we run committees. Members are welcome to be a part of the committees. That's where we get a lot of our information and evidence from. Um, that we have a we have a governing council which is made up of senior representatives from within the membership. We are very inclusive. We we focus heavily on communication. Uh, sharing of, of evidence with the relevant stakeholders and really just going out to fly the flag for UK and the uh, chemical supply chain itself. And as you've said, the, the membership has um, increased incredibly, partly because of the problems caused by Brexit and uh, presumably the pandemic. And they have created a unique set of circumstances that have tested the resilience of the UK's business sector. So share with us how you've overcome these challenges and talk us through some of your strategic decisions that have helped to strengthen the CBA and keep it on course to achieve its targets. So as any business, we have to deliver to our customers who are ultimately our, our members. We are member governed, but we have a team of um, industry experienced people who make up the staff of the CBA, me being one of them, and we all we all have an expertise in areas that, that cover the complete chemical supply chain. So first and foremost, we have the ability to deliver for our membership, and secondly, we prove that over and over again, and thirdly, we communicate that to the, to the membership and the, the wider world. In terms of the structure of the CBA, uh, we have changed it since I came on board. So I took over as Chief Executive in May uh, 2021, um, since then, we've we've restructured. We've created a um, core services department, which is where the help desk sits. It's where we run events from, the workshops. It's where members can contact for help, advice. Uh, we run our committees through that. But we also created a special projects department, and that was driven by things like Brexit that created some unique challenges. 
the chemical industry is heavily, heavily regulated. We support that. Um, but the break from the EU has created a whole raft of other challenges. There's a major piece of legislation called UK REACH, which is all about the regulation and evaluation of chemicals. Um, we warned government about that from the outset, that it wasn't practical or wouldn't work. Uh, and one of our significant breakthroughs, if you like, was that in December 2021, uh, DEFRA agreed to, re to sort of relook at the, the model to extend the deadlines of um, implementation. And that's where myself and other colleagues work closely now with DEFRA, trying to find a more pragmatic solution to the, to the uh, situation. So in, in the private sector, as I'm sure you're aware, have it, uh, working with government, that if you want to make something happen, you, you look at your options and then look at delivering an outcome. Uh, government works a lot slower than, than that. So uh, how do you deal with that? Um, determination, tenacity and uh, keep it on and on and on. It's been incredibly difficult in the last few months in particular because we've built up really meaningful relationships with key and senior people throughout government. That includes the civil servants all the way through to the secretaries of state and the prime minister as well. Naturally, back in June, July, I was looking at it with dismay as many of our sort of key contacts were resigning or making way for um, what ultimately became a leadership challenge. I shared everybody else's pain and um, dismay at, the, at the, what then transpired with um, uh, Liz Truss. And since then, you know, but uh, since then, obviously, we, another new prime minister. But throughout, we maintain contact with the civil servants that, that, that make up the sort of backbone of, of, let's say, government. And naturally, now that we are re-establishing contacts um, or, or new contacts so that we can best represent our membership in terms of government. Podcasts from the Cat. Tim, most businesses now consider that their employees are their most valued asset, particularly with the current issues with recruitment. So, And it's clear that staff morale and team building is hugely important to you. So share with us what systems you have in place to keep the team trained, informed and motivated. So the first thing is that I totally agree and uh, I'm a big advocate for, for the fact that employees are our most valued asset. Uh, throughout my career... I've supported and mentored, uh, encouraged uh, colleagues. Um, I, I, I believe that with strong people around you, that it make, only makes you more successful. I just want people to be the best that they can be. Um, and absolutely, employees are our most valued asset. And that's no different at the Chemical Business Association or within the wider chemical supply chain. So as I mentioned earlier that we've restructured, um, we created new departments. We've also taken on new staff. We brought in young, exciting, dynamic people uh, to give the association extra strength. That's to deliver for the extra workload that we've due to extra membership, but also the huge challenges that the chemical supply chain is facing. Now, that alone is a great motivation to bring those people in because they can come in and make a real difference. Morale is good because um, we're, we're, we're doing something very positive in difficult times. And, and that also helps me to develop the team and the team to develop as a team. And it is really important. Now, we, we represent the chemical supply chain. So I need and we need our staff to be as best motivated and as competent and as, as well-trained as possible to deliver for our membership. So that sort of goes without saying. Now, I mentioned there the chemical supply chain. So we can do our own things internally. Uh, we've got other projects ongoing or systems in place such as training 
Uh, we have a team day. We've got a vision day planned end of November. Um, but we also work externally representing the chemical supply chain itself. And a couple of examples I'll give of that are one is Generation Logistics. So we are an official partner of Generation Logistics. Um, it's very much related to my work as a fellow of the Chartered Institute of Logistics and Transport. Um, and it's a, it's a UK initiative led by industry, um, but also supported equally by government. And we are really going out there um, promoting and showing the opportunities that logistics offers. Far too many people don't know what logistics even means. They think it means driving a truck. It does mean driving a truck, but it also means every other type of role that you could think of, whether it's HR or R&D. Um, there, there are just so many opportunities. And as I'm hopefully an example, the opportunity to travel and to progress and to be successful. So Generation Logistics is one to look out for. We're using different channels such as TikTok to appeal to a younger audience. We're, we're currently targeting 16 to 24 year olds. Um, and another example I just want to touch on is our own membership. We have, we, we, we have such a large and diverse member um, or type of members. And there are some big companies and small companies and we give all of our members opportunity to put their employees forward for our committees. Earlier this year, we founded a young person's forum. We had some really enthusiastic people joining and it went from strength to strength so quickly that we have since called it our future council. Now, as I mentioned earlier, we have a governing council, which is made up of the senior representatives from member companies. And I envision that these guys on the future council in 10, 15 years, whenever it is, will be our future council, hence the name. Um, they're really exciting. I'm going to be seeing quite a lot of them today. Um, we, we did a lot down at Chem UK earlier this year, which is the UK's biggest chemical supply chain show. Um, and there's some really bright talent and a mixture of different strengths and, and uh, experience. They're not all chemists. Some of them are, but there's marketing people. Uh, there's, there's, there's warehouse, transport, logistics people. And that's just really exciting. And all of those different elements mean that we have an exciting place to work and that we are delivering uh, for our membership, which is the most important thing. Well, every business needs to plan for succession uh, and it's clear you've got that in place, which is, uh, which is a credit to, to your leadership. So, Tim, you, you have exceedingly creative systems for strengthening your corporate profile and increasing membership. So give us an insight into some of your more successful marketing strategies. So I think any marketing strategy to be successful has to be targeted and you have to understand your audience and you have to be very clear what your offering is. So we, ha we are now very clear in what we offer to our members. There isn't one single thing, there's a mixture of different things. And then we have to then understand which part of our membership that would appeal to. So we use many different ways of, of communicating that. Um, we communicate both the, um, what, we, what we can offer but also what we've achieved so that we can show that we actually do deliver on our promises. Uh, some of the ways that we do that are simply by word of mouth. Uh, the, chemical in the chemical supply chain is very integrated. Um, it's a place where everybody knows everybody. Um, it's incredibly important to society and industry. During the pandemic, it came together, um, showed its strength. Uh, we, we came up with things like hand sanitizer at very short notice. Um, so it is, it is a great place to be in terms of sharing information and we 
get a huge amount of uh, recommendations from members, which is just fantastic. Uh, we also have things like um, online publications. We have one which goes out to the general public uh, and to other and to non-members. It's not just a, a membership privilege. However, we do also have a membership privilege communication, which is much more technical and detailed. But another thing that we do is we have regular features and articles. Uh, we have scheduled articles with major publications within the chemical supply chain and further afield. Um, but we also do a lot of media work. So we've appeared on BBC this year at least twice. Uh, we do work with Bloomberg, Sky, um, lots of different major channels, uh, both TV, radio and print. We also take part in exhibitions. I mentioned Chem UK. Uh, that takes place at, at the NEC. It is the biggest event of its kind in the UK and we're a major sort of stakeholder in the planning and the delivery of that. Uh, but we also do international work. Um, so we were at a, a chemical exhibition earlier this year in Frankfurt. There's also a lot of work that we do internationally with people like the OPCW. Myself and a colleague, we've been out to various exotic places this year, such as Qatar um, and um, uh, Bangkok. I was also recently out in San Diego, just returned recently. Um, that was a trip representing the CBA, uh, the uh, National Association of Chemical Distributors, Congress in San Diego, and also we're a member of the International Chemical Trade Association, which had its annual meeting uh, over there as well. Very nice place to be, but we were there for work purposes, I can assure you. We also do keynote talks. Um, I'm off this afternoon to Coventry, uh, where we're taking part in SCS Formulate, doing a keynote there later on today. And we also use lots of social media. So you'll find us on LinkedIn. We put lots of information on there. We keep people informed of what we're doing. We use things like TikTok. I had to be convinced of that by the younger guys on Future Council, but they did a great job. So you'll find us on TikTok. Uh, so we really try and utilise every method of communication that we possibly can to appeal to our audience. Uh, Tim, somehow amidst all of your other commitments, you've found time to launch two charities. One, to raise uh, money for cancer research. And another to, to support those affected by the, the Bosley Mill disaster in 2015. Now, you've raised vast amounts of money for these charities, so tell us a little more about them and what motivated you to get involved. So the first one is uh, cancer research. Now, I was out in Germany, as I mentioned earlier, was diagnosed with cancer, um, but thankfully still here to this day. Uh, and I have the doctors in uh, hospital in, in Stuttgart to thank for that. Um, but what really drove me to do um, what was called Float My Boat was a conversation I had a co with a colleague in Italy. We were out there on business. It was 2011, and uh, it was over a beer. We just arrived on a long flight, difficult day, and we had some business meetings the following day. Now, my colleague's uh, father had just died from lung cancer, and sadly, his mother had just been diagnosed as well with terminal cancer. So I said, look, come on, we need to do something. So... We didn't have too many beers, otherwise I'd have probably done something even more wacky. But um, it ended up in me agreeing to row from, uh, or kayak, from our, one of our logistics hubs in Manchester down to one of our logistics hubs in Birmingham. Um, and the thinking behind that was that, you know, we were involved in logistics. The canals were the way that we used to transport freight 100, 150 years ago. Um, so there was a connection there from a logistics point of view. But ultimately, my aim was to raise money for cancer research. And in 2012, I kayaked from um, Manchester to Birmingham. It's about 100 miles. 
Um, it was challenging, for sure. I did train for many months before that. Uh, and my colleague and another colleague, they both accompanied me. They were in on mountain bikes just to make sure I didn't drown or get squashed by a canal boat or something other. Um, so I did it. I did it in 2012, and I thought, okay, uh, that's not enough. I'll do it again. And this time, uh, I went back to Birmingham to the hub there, and kayaked from Birmingham to another hub along the canal system uh, to a hub in Northampton. Again, around about 100 miles, and we did raise some nice amounts for cancer research. Um, since then, um, I was between jobs in 2015, and I, I do live in Bosley. And it's a place where I sort of grew up. Uh, my grandmother had a local shop, got family living there. And on the 17th of July, just after nine o'clock, I was looking out the window and didn't know what I was seeing at first, but what I was witnessing was the explosion at uh, Bosley Wood Treatment. Um, my uncle was stood outside, actually, and a, and a friend. Um, the blast wave, although with some distance, actually still came up uh, through the houses. Um, real shock. And I first thought that an aircraft had crashed. It was so violent. Uh, my wife was working down at the local school. So a quick phone call to make sure she was okay. Couldn't get hold of her. Um, so I jumped in the car and I drove down to the mill and saw things that uh, were pretty horrific. On that day, I went back three times um, and it was utterly horrendous. Four people were killed. People lost their houses, uh, homes and uh, many people lost their jobs. Many people were horrifically injured. Some are still showing the scars mentally and physically today. So it was only natural I was between jobs. And with my auntie um, and cousin, we founded what was ultimately called Help Bosley. Um, we opened a Just Giving page. We organised events such as celebrity football matches. We had uh, rock concerts. Um, we had local bands such as Screaming Beavers or the Chinese Marbles. We did loads of things. We had family fun days. And we raised well over £250,000 in the end, and I sat on the, uh, the board along with a few other local guys. Uh, it was all assisted by Cheshire East and representatives from there. And what we did was we used the money to help those directly involved, um, and that took place over the next sort of two or three years. Um, no longer involved in that, we closed the charity uh, when, we did, when it was the right time to do it, but yeah, it's still a really significant moment for the village and all of those affected that they're still affected to this day it's terrific and um and all done obviously as a as a volunteer that the the amount that can be achieved by volunteers is phenomenal isn't it yeah absolutely yeah uh, tim no matter how well your business is performing you can't afford to become complacent so share with us how you measure success at the cba and talk us through your plans for the future development of the Chemical Business Association. Now, I assume these plans must include a monster party next year to celebrate 100 years in business. Yeah, so how do we how do we measure performance really is in delivering results to our members. And we get a lot of feedback, as you'd understand, from our membership. There's over 10,000 people that work for our member companies. And that's a huge amount of feedback that we can potentially get. Um, we, we look at our results in terms of delivering training, the quality of it, but also in achieving results with government, either through lobbying or advocacy, uh, changing regulation, influencing regulation, uh, and working to make the world a safer place. We are really focused on people, sustainability, 
um, and they are very important to us. Um, I would love to be a fly on the wall back in 1923 when the um, the founder members came together to create the chemi- what became the Chemical Business Association, because many of the reasons we were founded back in 1923 are still relevant today. So we just faced a pandemic. There'd been a war in Europe. Uh, there were many many similar factors. There was supply chain disruption, shortage of raw materials, energy issues, all of those things. There was an inflation. There was a Great Depression that followed. We live in a very similar, or it feels very similar today. So many of the reasons we were founded are still uh, relevant today. But I'm now looking forward to the next 100 years. Um, we're, we live in a totally different world. I just think our founder members will be amazed to see how world, different the world is. Uh, since the 70s, we've experienced rapid globalisation. Uh, we have we can communicate 24-7 instantly around the world. Um, so yeah, we have a lot of exciting plans to celebrate that next year but also very much looking forward to how we take the association into the next century. Now, in terms of Monster Party, um, we are the very proud um, uh, owner of what we call our annual lunch. It started in the 1920s. It was a small restaurant in London. It moved on to the Savoy in the 60s, I think it was, then ultimately to the Dorchester or or next to the Dorchester. And that was as it grew over the years, it got bigger and bigger. And since 1980, we've held our annual lunch in the Grosvenor House uh, Hotel in London, in the Great Room. It's on Park Lane in London. It's a fabulous location, and that's also because it's able to hold our, uh, our the, the number of people that want to go to our annual lunch. Typically, we can have up to 1,500 people there. It is the biggest type of its uh, kind in the UK, if not the world, and that will be a significant party next year. Um, and we look forward to welcoming members and representatives from the chemical supply chain from around the world. So, yeah, they don't get much bigger party than, than that. That's, that's a lot of people. Yeah. So I'm sure you'll have a cracking time. Uh, Tim, thank you so much for coming in today and, and giving us an insight into how the Chemical Business Association supports the growth and every other aspect of the chemical industry uh, and the supply chain. So uh, should our listeners want to contact the Chemical Business Association, where can they find more information? So the easiest place is to look for us online. Uh, you can call us at our offices in Crew, that's our headquarters. Uh, if you're on LinkedIn, you can find us on there. If you're on other social media, find us on there. Contact myself or any of the other guys in the office. Uh, we're here to help. Tim, thank you so much for coming on The Cat today. Thank you. Thank you, Des. Go to listen.thisisthecat.com for more podcasts and more ways to listen.